0: We're being professional every time every, every time. time. Welcome to the outlaw radio show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. Uh, if you're local, come visit us uh, one Sunday soon. Our service is at ten thirty a.m. every Sunday morning. Uh, in addition to that, if let's say you're not local, but looking for a church to watch online, uh, we stream our service. Uh, it's on YouTube. Um, as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash calvary316 or calvary316.live is a quick link to our YouTube channel. Uh, I am uh, the greatest, le- most luckiest guy in the world that I'm married to, a Miss Jessica Adams. I'm the proud papa of three, Quincy, Theodore, and Mabel. School is back and it's been crazy. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to it. Uh, I am joined in studio uh, by Dick Dastardly, the man that needs no introduction. The Maestro Hello. behind the Madness, yes,
1: Creighton Vaughn. Yes, this is me. I, I am the I'm the one that deals with the craziness
0: in here. And I love the fact that ulcer, you're. I awesome. love the fact that you're wearing your uh, your Braves World Championship hat.
1: Yes, I bought this at the stadium uh, sometime after they uh, they right. won the World Championship last time. I went to a ba- Braves game.
0: It's great. I it's was awesome. talking. I was it's talking to my son Theodore. Theodore asked. He said, "Dad, who's the best team in baseball?" I said, "Son, that's easy. The best team in baseball are, are the Atlanta Braves because we are the World Champs." until we're no longer the world champs, we're the best team in baseball. And he looked at me with his big grin, missing all of his front teeth like a bumpkin. And, uh, and he was like, I like it, Dad. And I was like, yep, we're the best team in baseball. So anyway, Absolutely. we're also joined in studio by a... Uh, Cohort. Cohorts. <laughs> we got Nicholas Monty, Deal Daddy Derek, Spice Daddy, and Kyle Parkin. Guys, welcome to the Outlaw Radio what's Show. Up, what's, what's, up, up? what's up? This is already set up to be a disaster, on the. Cohort afraid. was Always a good is. word. Yes, the way- Always, always is set up to be a disaster. This is the way. <laughs> if you are new to the show, the way that this works is that I have no idea what we're talking about tonight. No one does but Creighton. Creighton uh, is the only one that knows the topic of tonight. Uh, he's going to introduce that into a, in, in just a second, um, at which point it then becomes my job to turn that into a Bible study. Um, in the course of, of my attempts, these knuckleheads are going to be helping me do so by interjecting their own thoughts and questions and feedback. You can do the same if you're watching the live stream. Again, we live stream 8 p.m. every Wednesday night on uh, YouTube. Our YouTube channel is outlawradio.live or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theradiooutlaw. Uh, And you can uh, also interject your thoughts or opinions of the show um, by just dropping a little note in the comments section available on both platforms. Um, and so we'd love for you to participate in the show and be a part of our conversation. Uh, with all that being said, uh, Creighton, what are we talking about tonight? Wow, we're getting right into it. No uh,
1: pre-show rant, huh, Zach? Well, I don't know.
0: Don't give them. <laughs> one. Okay, you know what? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, we'll
1: start at eight thirty. We actually, got
0: time. <laughs> actually, you know what? I, I am gonna. It's not a, a it's not a rant.
2: It's not a rant. This you're, is your you're fault. One, you're one of those kids that raises their hand at the end of the, the class and say, teacher, you didn't give us any homework, aren't
0: you? <laughs> yeah, I really am. <laughs> right. He's the guy that drops the question at the end. We're like, we're all ready to leave the lecture. And now we've got a, at least another 15 minutes. Oh, right. <laughs> you're that kid. You are that kid, though. That's so true.
1: Oh, man. I okay. Okay. That. Fellas,
0: unrelated to tonight's episode, which I have no idea what it's about, uh, so I'm studying a passage in Matthew chapter 11 uh, for Sunday. So as you guys know, I'm teaching through Matthew. And there's a verse that is, um, it's crazy. It's, it's such a bizarre verse that I've been chewing on, studying over, mulling, concerning. I've listened to a bunch of different opinions, read different, different commentary. Let me read you the verse and get just your own snap thoughts on it. See if you guys have any thoughts at all. Um, Jesus, for context... Uh, John the Baptist has sent two disciples. He's in prison. He sent two disciples. He's kind of having a crisis. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say of faith, but he doubt has kind of crept in. Uh, so he sends two disciples to Jesus to say, hey, are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? Or should we be looking for another? And uh, Jesus kind of answers, uh, sends the disciples back. Then Jesus kind of goes on this 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 rant about how great John is. Like he really has a lot of complimentary things to say. He says, verse 11 of Matthew 11 Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's okay, that's not the complicated verse. Verse 12, Jesus says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So any... any, Any... any thoughts on that at all? Yeah. Okay,
3: Kyle, teeing it up, man. Go for it. I'm really excited to, uh, to listen to what my pastor has to oh, say gosh, about that this yeah. Sunday. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, that is, is a a thought. Thought.
0: Yeah. That did not help at all, <laughs> Kyle. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. From John, from John until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force.
2: Do you they think it's a prediction it. of what's to
0: come of Jesus?
4: Yeah, that's how I kind of read it, only because I know what's going to happen.
0: I'm not giving a whole lot of opinions spoiler here. I'm, yeah, spoiler I'm, alert, bro. Why I'm more kind Jesus of interested here? in you guys. That's an interesting thought, maybe.
3: That's bizarre. I don't know.
0: I, that would be
2: my, like, because Jesus was born right after John, and then there's violence to come of them trying well, to. Well, he the is speaking
0: in the present tense from John the Baptist <laughs> until now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And there's been oh, wars ever since. Okay. What's your thought? Okay. Cravon.
4: So,
1: um, and the, the timeline might not work out, but <laughs> you're backtracking <from> hard <laughs> around, uh, the time of John, like when he was conceived right around when he was born would have been around the time when Jesus was conceived, you know, immaculately <laughs> conceived. Um, it would be the only time in history when Jesus wasn't in heaven. From John till when Jesus is speaking is the only 33 years in the entire expanse of time where Jesus isn't in heaven. Okay, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but it is a true statement. And I, I think it has something to do with the fact that one third of the creator is no longer in heaven.
3: But isn't the kingdom of heaven isn't? What's the, what's the biblical definition for kingdom of heaven as far as like, because you got the mentions of it all throughout the Bible. There and are don't a few remember. different, it's yeah. used
1: differently because you have like the, the millennial kingdom, mm-hmm. you have the like heavenly kingdom, you have like the, um, like he used it to, to describe the kingdom as like the people, like the children of God living on earth now mm-hmm. are sometimes referred to as the kingdom of God. So I don't.
2: Yeah, that's, what, that's where uh, my event uh, went. I, don't I, know. I think he's talking about the, the violence that's been done, constantly being tried to be done to him before he's killed.
0: But then what, did, what does he mean by the violent take it by force? And
4: I think that that's what they're from doing, they're violent, to begin on from now, like there's just been crazy wars ever since then, too. Like it's not going to stop. And before then, I mean, the Assyrians yeah, were absolutely
0: then. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't there know, was maybe a lot of violence, violence before John. And is it now in the sense that, like, is this something that ceases? Is it something that was unique to just then? But he's,
2: it's not, it wasn't talking about just violence in general. as violence against the kingdom of God. It's true. No, it's just specific violence. And generally, a, a direct attack on the king is a, a direct attack. But then the
0: in that God. context, the violent take it by force implies that the violent have taken the kingdom by force. So exactly how does... I think
2: that wasn't, it was like a present progressive. or is They it, are taking... I, I, I don't know the exact...
0: Okay, but elaborate stuff. on the thought, regardless of so the So I, I
2: think he's just another one of those prophecies, I guess, the, for lack of a better word, of Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to die, or something violent's going to happen to me.
0: Uh, very possibly. I, I'm still chewing on a lot of different thoughts. I, I, will, I will tell you. So I listen to, and I, I won't name names, but... <clears throat> You know what? Forget it. I will name names. <laughs> awesome. So, Joe Foch, uh, listening to Joe Foch on this passage, uh, he gets to it and he says something to the effect of, um, you know, a lot of people have different opinions on this passage. Um, a lot of different thoughts and conclusions about this passage. Um, if 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 you know what this passage is about, please let me know because I would like to know. Um, and then he kind of kind of moves right along. You know, this is like... This is a really complicated verse and I don't think I have an answer to it, which I have a lot of respect for because I would much rather a Bible teacher say that than just conjure up their best guess. You know, we're not say something with conviction, you know. You know, you can you can say there are a range of opinions on this. This is where I land, and I think you can say that with some conviction as a Bible teacher. I'm um, opening it up like, "Hey, I could be wrong, but this is kind of where I land, here's why." Um or if if you really don't feel like you you've nailed it down to say, guys, I, I really don't know because let be real. Jesus does say a lot of, a lot of things that you're like, huh? What? Like, and I think that's okay. It's okay to be like, man, Jesus was kind of on a different level, you know, than, than I am, which I would expect because he's God and I'm not. And, and I'm, I'm totally cool with Jesus saying some things where it goes over my head. Cause again, the Bible says his ways are higher than mine, you know? Um, so, Joe just kind of blows right through it. Uh, David Guzik kind of kind of tees up a a real baseline explanation that I, I thought was kind of a cop out to a degree. Mm. And if David's listening, you can call me and <laughs> you can uh, we can correct you. Like you can you can say, hey, I have a, th- here's my opinion, and next week I'll I'll relay that. You come everyone. at the king, you best not miss. Yeah, know, right, right. Uh, my favorite, my favorite. Was uh, Damien Kyle, who read the verse, and then just went right on. <laughs> he like, he didn't even say, "I have no idea what this is about," or "Here are the thoughts." Like he just read the verse and just didn't say anything, and just <laughs> just went right along of like. Maybe they. Hey, won't if notice. you were if you were hanging on pins and needles waiting for me to say something, uh, you're sorely disappointed. Um, which I thought was funny, and then. Ken Graves went on a rant. Well, yeah, it's Ken Graves about something that I, I have no idea what he was talking about. Love Ken Graves, but with that, <laughs> you know, you know, I have no idea what he was talking about. So, yeah, I, I've gotten all kinds of. So I thought I would just this collection of Bible scholars in the room, brain trust, I, the ba- brain trust of Calvary three sixteen. Lord help us. Oh boy. Uh, Lord, <laughs> help us. Um, Lord help us. Literally. All right. So, thanks for a lot of help. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, I appreciate your sentiment, Kyle. I hope I don't disapp- disappoint <laughs> on Sunday. I
2: think you should just pull, like, just read the verse and, and just, <laughs> just keep I going. should <laughs> read
0: the verse, not say anything, and then at the end of the Bible study, be like, go back to that one. Go back to it and still be like, no idea. <laughs> um, you guys know what I mean about running into verses where you're like, I had no idea what Jesus is saying here. Yeah. 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 yeah and there's no
2: cultural context to that that I can even give you an input on. There's just nothing there.
0: And Kyle, I do think I do think that that's an interesting observation about defining the kingdom of heaven. I
3: think you have to.
0: But then but then that gets complicated because the violent are then able to take it by force. And then who are the violent? And what is the mechanism of taking it by force, which is and did we get it back?
3: Yeah, you'd have to go in and look at the tenses and stuff, but uh, my guess is that it's probably something temporary if I just like off of a first guess hearing it, but look at looking in at the, you know, the original language and tenses and things. I bet there's something where Jesus is saying something was finalized at that moment or not or, you know.
0: I do yeah. think, I do think if there's any clue to kind of where I'm going or thinking. I think again, I made this comment on Sunday that that it's always important, especially when you run into a complicated passage like this one or a complicated verse. Always take a step back and, and place it within the context of what Jesus is presently talking about. Again, if you cherry pick a verse like that, I mean, you could go in all different kinds of directions and have no idea what you're talking about or, or reach no conclusions. Um, again, you take one step back. It's like, well, what is he in the midst of discussing? He's discussing John the Baptist And he's been discussing John the Baptist in the greater context of persecution, Mm -hmm. um, which I think does maybe give a little bit more insight, um, a little nuance into something that's still very complicated, uh, but might put up some bumpers, you know, where you're not you're not spiraling off into all kinds of craziness. So, Creighton, what are we talking about tonight? Oh, right. Uh, That's some
1: Hey, that's a mistake. I'm not going to make again, but yeah, you will. Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. So. Um. So, so here we go. This is a, uh, a topic that came to me earlier this week because I was in a particular internet cesspool. We're getting a backstory yes, to the question. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I've got there's to. a backstory. So a particular internet cesspool that is YouTube shorts, which works like TikToks and you can just scroll for hours very you, easily. You do this for hours. Oh, yeah, I lose sleep over it because it's hard to stop.
0: And it's because you're you're single and you're not
1: going on dates with females. So anyway, I ended up somehow getting into this one corner where I must have, like I was trying to get out of the corner that I was in. I must have blocked 30 channels that were all about this one dude named Andrew Tate. (laughs) Who <laughs> I have no idea what this is. I'm guessing Derek does. Yeah. Oh, here know, we go. A bit about him. So he is a, he was a kickboxing world a champion on or head. something. Put a numb
4: on the head. Yes. Yeah.
1: And he is like this super aggro, mega masculine dude who is like, he has some opinions that I agree with, but he'll say something and be like, oh yeah, that's probably true. And he'll say something that is crazy. Like he'll talk about, you know, women shouldn't sleep around, but then he'll say in the next breath that men should. Um, What's wrong with that? Yeah. Right. (laughs) So he talks about being a man a lot and what it means to be a high value man and all this stuff. Um, And once again, every now and then he says something that I agree with because he talks about you should work hard. Talks about working hard a lot. And I'm like, yeah, men should work hard. And then he'll he's say he's like the something secular crazy.
0: version of Ken Graves, the before mentioned yeah. Bible teacher. Yeah, kind of. Where you're like, oh man, Ken, that you're spot on with that. That's great. And then Ken will say something else, and you're like, but, we're, we're, you're yeah. Like, How did we get wait, there? What?
1: So, gotcha. My question is um, because I've we should I was totally in have this, Ken Graves on the
0: show, by the way. So I would be if down anyone's for watching that. this, and you know Ken Graves, which I've actually. Driven in the car with King Graves, Graves. but I know King King Graves, but yeah, would love to have him on the show. Talk about masculinity. Anyway, back to you. So as I
1: was in this weird corner of YouTube shorts, I noticed a trend where there was a lot of secular people pushing back against the, um, against the like fall of masculinity, I guess would be the word which we've talked about before. Um, when we were doing the old outlaw radio show, Now my question is just simply, how do you be, what does it mean to be a man of God or a godly man? Because there's, like if you look at the world and you ask them what it means to be a man, A, they couldn't really tell you. Um, And then B, you'll get weirdos like Andrew Tate who will tell you that it's about making millions of dollars, sleeping with a bunch of women, um, and parking in handicapped spots. He's made multiple videos about that last one. All right, that ticks me <laughs> off. You want me to go
0: on a rant? I'm not even kidding. He's made As multiple a limper, videos about myself, that. Myself? People that Lim- park uh, in the handicapped spots? Man, I got issues. Right. That's a different topic. Does understandably. I guess, does that include
2: you driving or somebody else driving you?
0: I'm presently handicapped. Okay. So, the question is, I what is I stared does it mean down a guy you? the other
1: day. Oh, my gosh.
0: I literally <laughs> stared him down, like stood on the sidewalk and stared at him. <laughs> with my gimp arms. Like, what are you doing? Sorry. Yeah. So the question is, what does it mean to be a man of God? What should,
1: um, we have, I mean, we have someone who has been out of the country for five of the last or what? Five of the last six years living in China. We've got four married men, two fathers, a single dude who has done very little in terms of worldliness. What does it mean to be a man of God? What should I strive for? What should the people who watch us strive for? And what should women of God look for? All of that, uh, about 40 minutes,
0: go. So so you would also, like, and and I'm going to ask a question to make sure that I I don't go the wrong direction here. Do, Do we need to discuss, like, that's a lot. The, the, uh, yeah, it there's a lot, lot there, but yeah, what, yeah, yeah. like the essence of masculinity, because you you, you you introduced the phrase, "What does it mean to be a man of God?" Mm-hmm. Um, do we need to address? I guess we should address masculinity from a, a, a more broader biblical concept, and then hone it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Kind of take it broad and then bring it in. Yeah. Before I before I start sharing thoughts, I mean, again, guys, I this is buckshot. Um, first thoughts, first impressions of the topic again um no particular direction just thoughts Andrew Tate's a wild
4: boy he really is he has a lot of things about being like a alpha male or sigma male and it's all has to do with like yeah build yourself up as a male but also putting women down and like Mm -hmm. disgracing them for doing their like like just being promiscuous or doing whatever but also, but then taking him like, no, for a male, that's okay. That's masculine. That's strong. Like, we got to not let these women take over us and stuff. He's a wild boy. So, he understands, so
0: he understands that there's a uniqueness to masculinity different yes. from femininity. Yes. But he, he's very warped in
4: the distinctions between the two. Masculinity versus being a godly man can be two very different things. Oh, yeah. And I would also so, say
0: masculinity is different than machismo. Yeah, there's a distinction there too. Exactly. Sometimes it gets blurred unnecessarily.
4: So what these sigma males or alpha males versus what it looks like to be a godly male from Andrew Tate's perspective versus to like what it would actually look like. What we actually need to be like godly man.
0: And yet, uh, I want a little bit from from each of you guys. So who's who's next? Well, I mean, I like what David said to Solomon right before he died.
2: Bring it. Said. So, Uh, So this is in 1 Kings chapter 2. It says, When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me.
4: But he only gave you one book to read. If you read that book and follow what its rules and orders <laughs> I mean, and the rules that, are, yeah, which I that's think what de- it means uh, to
0: be a godly man. I, I think we can develop a a, an, a pretty good description of of masculinity and what it means to be a man of God from examples in Scripture, which are wide ranging, and we'll get to that. Uh, Kyle, you have a, a, any thought?
3: I mean, I, I I don't even I can't even pick a direction to go right now mm-hmm. because I've got a lot of different like. Man as a father, man as a husband, man as a a leader, like I don't I don't even know I can't get my head straight on what direction I'm going yet. Okay, let me think some more.
5: Nick, that's where I'm at. I mean, first thing when he talked about it, I was like, husband and wife. That's where I went first. It mm-hmm. was like it gives you specific outline of how to be a man in a relationship, and then there's other parts. Of, I mean. The Bible tells you directly how to be a man, which is which is
0: good in the sense of like, you know, I'm a husband and the Bible gives clear instructions on on what a husband should be. Mm-hmm. Um, carry that same principle one step back. Well, does the Bible give us instruction on what a man should be? Yeah, I think man's
4: the roots and then it spreads out into the limbs of what everything I else I think your example yeah. is Jesus
0: Christ. Who was not married, which which yeah. is interesting. So it transcends. <laughs> it yeah, transcends but he's
3: also you, you can't really say he wh- wasn't married. He's his bride's on the way. yeah, he has. We yeah. are his bride. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's go back to kind of the beginning, the essence of 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 masculinity, or or you know, without gender, there is no such distinction. Um, mm-hmm. So we have to kind of, to a degree, go back to at least the origins. Of, of Adam and Eve and the development of this. And we've talked about this before, so I don't want to go too hard on this particular topic, but God made man. Adam. Um, of all creation, God noticed that it was not good for man to be alone. Um, and so he caused a deep sleep to come onto Adam, and from the man, the Lord took a part of his side. The figurative language is he took a rib from him. And from that rib, from part of of the man, he formed the woman. So um, what's interesting, I, I guess the, the first thought is that what it truly means to be a man, um, true masculinity is probably only found in an Adam before that moment and then secondarily in Jesus, um, which I think is an interesting thought. The, the, the God's or original concept of masculinity um, is fairly unattainable um, in its purest sense. Um, because again, God created the man, but then he divided out from the man and he imparted into the female a, 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 an aspect of humanity that now was, was absent within the man. And that's why then man's one when, when he comes back together with a female, that, that you know a man, a man is, is more well-rounded with a woman. Um, at his side. I mean, that's the whole concept. The two shall become one flesh. Um, that that whole bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. So, so something was taken out of Adam, femininity, made into the, the woman. Man, at that point, is what he is. He's a step below what he had been. Um, and then sin begins to mar, mar it even further. Um, when we look at the uh, God presents himself in the masculine uh, with the masculine pronouns l um and and within its definition the masculine pronoun um l again man created in the image and likeness of god uh, man l uh, articulated the the strength um the boldness um what we would from a maybe a chemical standpoint the testosterone angle the um uh, the defender, the provider, the protector. Um, and again, people will say, well, that's just a Western construct of machismo. But no, I, I think you could make an argument that, that this is a biblical construct that is established by God, that there is something inherently different between men and women. you got to you got to admit that or this conversation doesn't matter. And, and this guy that you mentioned, uh, he, he is affirming a reality that there is a difference between men and women. Um, again, from that point forward, he he gets very warped in that difference. But we have to acknowledge uh, that, that there is fundamental uh, distinctions. Um, physiologically, there's distinctions. Again, we get into the whole transgender movement and, and trans women, biologically male, but identifying as a woman, competing in, in sports. And that, you know, you can be on testosterone blocker, um, but you, you still have biological advantages um, that place a, a, a biological female at a disadvantage of a biological male, down to, like, spinal structure. You know, God built men differently than he built women, and women differently than he built me- men. It's crazy that in our world uh, that that is a controversial opinion. Uh, uh, seems pretty solid based upon the visual evidence that there is a bit of a difference between the, the biology of a man and a woman. No matter what plastic surgery does, there's still a fundamental difference. Um, so, so God, I guess my point is to say that, that God created men to be men, women to be women, uh, made them distinctly different, equal in value, um, and, and there's uh, no, nothing contrary in that. You know, there's, there's often this argument about you know, women having a diminished role within the family or the church. Um, no, it's not a diminished. It's just a distinctly different one. Um, and, and you can build the argument that God places men into, into a, a place where they have to get outside of their comfort zone to achieve manliness, and, and women have to step outside of their comfort zone to, to fulfill uh, the role of a godly woman. That can be a whole other topic for another day. So what does it mean to be a man? And I do think Jesus is a great example of that. Um, you know, Jesus was a very a strong man. Um, he was a determined man. Um, he was a man that took care of his family. He was a leader. Um, he was uh, he he was a man that was able to to be righteously angry. He knew when to be meek. He knew how to surrender, but when to fight. Um, he knew when to take a stand. He knew when to to back off. Um, you know, Jesus provided for himself. Jesus was not. Um, uh, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a slouch. Jesus is, you know, a workman is worth his wage, Jesus says in, was it Matthew 10, I think. Um, you know, Jesus talked about, talked about work, talked about the value of work, talked about the kingdom, declared of himself. I didn't come to, to make peace, but, but I came with a sword. Um, you look at Jesus, and sometimes there's a misconception of Jesus and the common, you know, Christian projections of him of being kind of a a, a Fabio you know, kind of a very, a very weak, timid, um, mild mannered kind of guy Uh, on two different occasions. Jesus gets to the temple and is, and is irate at what's happening. And he, and he sat in the corner and, 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 uh, took a club in one instance and, and, and created a whip and drove out the money changers violently. Um, you know, Jesus, um, when, when you look at Jesus, he was, he was a man that loved people. Um, he cared for people. Um, he protected children and women. Um, he had a heart of compassion towards the poor, and towards those that were uh, disenfranchised or those that were disabled. Um, he took care of those around him. He provided for them. Um, Jesus was strong in, in his, the demonstration of his submission. You know, we talk about meekness, and sometimes meekness is projected as being Somehow, a weakness, um, meekness being weakness, but meekness is a strength that's under control. It's a strength that knows when it's time to exert itself but but is wise enough to know when it's time not to when when maybe even at the at the the prospects of incurring harm I mean, Jesus' ultimate demonstration of meekness is surrendering himself to to not just the cross. the cross is kind of the end of the story, you know. The slander, the betrayal, Jesus washing the feet of, of men that he knew were going to later that night turn on him and run from him, um, to be able to stand before his accusers, people that slandered him and spread falsehoods and spoke evil, and to remain silent. But the wisdom to know when to speak to Pilate and when to when to defend himself when it was appropriate and necessary. Jesus was strong enough to take a scourging he knew he didn't deserve, um, but then still weak enough to, to rely on, on a man named Joseph to help carry his cross when he couldn't. Um, Jesus. You know, you, you go back into kind of the origins of, we you know, we know very little of his childhood. Jesus from a young age, though, as, the script, you know, as was his custom, we're told in Luke, you know, frequented the synagogue weekly. He was a student of the scriptures. He was smart and educated. You know, we get this idea of, of you, know, m- you know, men in education or reading. You know, Jesus was smart, applied himself intellectually to the point that at the age of 12, he's, he's in the temple going toe to toe, asking questions of the scribes and Pharisees, which also demonstrates an incredible humility because he's the word that became flesh he could have been telling them what they needed to know, and instead he's respecting his elders and he's asking questions, as was his role as a student. Um, you know, when you fast forward, you know, you got these many years of, of darkness where you, we know very little about Jesus. Um, he comes onto the scene roughly at the age of 30. Uh, people believe that Joseph is no longer in the picture, was a carpenter by trade. Jesus comes in as a carpenter, meaning at some point Jesus leaves his education, Joseph passes away, and Jesus steps up and provides for his mom. As the firstborn of the family, he takes care of his siblings. He had siblings. you know, In that sense of a man's responsibility to take care of his family, even at the expense of maybe his own dreams and aspirations. You know, I think the case can be made that Jesus laid aside certain ambition to care for his mom for a season until it was until he you know he's at the, uh, the the wedding there in Nain in Cana the, the wedding at Cana and uh, and Mary's wanting him to act and he's like it's not my time but it, it was now his time and he begins he begins to to engage in his ministry you see Jesus uh, never acting outside of the will of his father again we talk about the leadership and man's role as a leader well, man's first role is a follower It's to follow God. It's to submit to God's will and not his own. Jesus did nothing outside of the will of his father, even though he was equally God. Jesus demonstrated that leadership is best demonstrated in servanthood and and, and, and surrender. Um, Again, yes, you can say, well, that, that does fit into some of our ideas of masculinity, but man, what a radical, godly twist on it, right? Um leading by example and not by dictation. You know, the Bible presents men as being the, the, the priests of their home. They have a role in the family, the role in a marriage, uh, to lead, to provide. Now, that's not to say that, that there aren't certain instances, and this is where I think you can go to extreme, where let's say the, the wife makes real good money, you know, and 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 it makes sense for the family that the man... Um, you know, spend his time at home rearing the kids. Again, I, I think it's, it's important to always understand that a man's never going to replace what a mom is. You're not daddy mom. You're still dad. And, and those kids need the tenderness and love of their mother. And so if, if you're in that dynamic, there are still God, godly defined roles that need to exist even within that dynamic. But is that being less of a man? No, that's loving your wife. That's preferring her and that's, that's taking on a role. But you're still to be a leader you're still to be strong and you're still to uh, to make the decisions N- not without consultation you know you're supposed to love your wife you know it's not very hard for a wife to love her husband sometimes it's hard for a man to love his wife and when I say love his wife it's not in the way a man thinks he not in the way that a man thinks his wife wants to be loved but to love your wife in the way that she wants to be loved even if that's not the way that that you're good at expressing your love, which let's be real. Most men are not very great at expressing their love and the way that their wives need, which means that we've got to humble ourselves and, and submit to our own, our own frail. You look at Jesus humility. Yes. You know, you, you look at the biblical concepts of, you know, the importance of men. I mean, we go back to, you know, this idea at one of the things so there was a whole movement within Christianity. And, man, I, 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 this might take a really weird turn. Um, <laughs> also <laughs> Love so, to hear that. Yeah, so <laughs> if, if I get too far out there, pump the brakes on me. All right. But, um, you know, back when, and this was several years ago, you had kind of this whole emergent movement within Christianity. It was challenging Christian ideas and basic Christian principles and tenets. And, and one of the guys that, that was kind of in this loosely – uh, was a guy named Rob Bell, who later just became a full blown heretic um, but Rob Bell you know he would <clears throat> he would make certain arguments and one of the arguments was so women pastors uh, you know that women you know that, that you know that, that women can be can be in, in positions of authority within the church, and that these these notions that we have of a man 's role within the family a man 's role within the church uh, the women 's role in both um, are are somewhat um, Subjected to Westernization and just the development uh, over 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 years of, um, I'm looking even for the right word, but just uh, notions, Um, the way that they justified a lot of the theology, and there's a lot of different topics um, that this all falls into. It's what called it's called. So hermeneutics is 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 the fancy way of saying it's the theology of how you study the Bible. It's the way that you view and understand theology. Your hermeneutics. How I approach the Bible. Practical example is, do I believe the Bible is literal or not? Um, That the Bible says what it means, says what it says. is to be taken literally unless it's telling me otherwise. Now, there are obviously passages within the scripture. that are speaking figuratively or allegorically. But the Bible will let me know when that's happening. If it's not letting me know, then I should take it at face value that it's literal. Again, the story of Jonah is presented very literally. It's not presented as an allegory. Now, it can have an allegorical understanding, but it's presented as history. So your hermeneutics, as a literalist, is that I'm going to take what the Bible tells me literally, unless otherwise, meaning when I look at the Genesis account of of creation, it's not telling me it's figurative, it's not saying it's speaking poetically, it's presenting itself in literal language. So I'm going to take it literally. Well, trajectory hermeneutics is what a lot of these guys adhered to. And a great example of this is men. And so they would say, Well, okay, the Bible the Bible has these perspectives of men. Undeniable, they're clear, but it, it's but it it doesn't fall on this like linear, you know, horizontal plane. It it basically sets this trajectory which which has a principle that over time arcs to new realities at different times and spaces. Was
1: trajectory hermeneutics the ones that were uh, said the Bible should be not reimagined but reinterpreted for the time in which you're reading it?
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay. But this is the hermeneutics, the theology behind mm-hmm. the, their understanding. And as I mentioned, so Rob Bell regarding the justification for women clergy is that you know the the Bible established principles and a trajectory, but it's different now. It's just different now. Cultural is different. Well, my, my problem with that is that do we see any type of an arc and the presentation of men and women in Scripture? Because Scripture covers roughly 1,500 years of human history, um, quite significant. You know, you, you, you get back to Adam and Eve, very defined roles. Uh, the, the patriarchs were all men. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Again, noble women. Sarah, great woman. Rebecca, Rachel, Leah. Um, solid women, but again, the, who are the patriarchs? The, the promise of, of the seed, the faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then you have Joseph, a hero. You get to Exodus, and it's Moses and Aaron. the The priesthoods established with the it's the, Aaronic, uh, the priesthood, the, the order of Aaron. A man. You know, you look into the organization of the nation of Israel. Who were the priests? Were the priests women? No, they weren't. There weren't women. They were men. You know, the the leadership of Israel were men. You get to the period of the judges. With the exception of Deborah, they were all men. And Deborah was raised up because all the men were stupid at that time. And sure, there are some churches that women have to step up in leadership roles because all of the men are stupid. doesn't make it right, but we can understand why. That woman needs to step up and then raise up a man to fill the void. You know, it's the exception, not the rule, Deborah. The story of Ruth and Boaz, if you really want to bring it down, it's a story of Boaz. He's the kinsman-redeemer. You know, Ruth the Gentile. Joshua, the kings, all men. Well, and yeah, yeah the they, kings. Yeah, they were, you know, the, the, the most notable queen was a witch. Her name was Jezebel. You know, not a great type. The prophets... Again, I mean, I mean, you just work through the trajectory, and then you get to the New Testament and Jesus. Did Jesus have female disciples? He did, actually. He had female disciples. Mary, his mom, was a disciple. Mary Magdalene was a disciple. Uh, Mary and Martha were disciples. A disciple is just a, a student. Jesus challenged a lot of the norms culturally of the time about how women were viewed by making them disciples, allowing them to be students. And we're told that they served Jesus. Interesting, a story where Jesus comes to visit Mary and Martha, and Mary's the one busy cooking and cleaning and doing all that. Martha's the one sitting at his feet learning. Jesus had great things to say to Martha, and he rebuked Mary for doing what, like, really terrible men want to tell women, stay in the the kitchen and cook and clean. Now you should, as a woman, sit at the feet of Jesus. And be a disciple, but still within the church, of his disciples, who did he pick out for leadership? Well, they were twelve men. Were they all good? No, they they were all knuckleheads, and one killed himself. Um, church leadership, eldership—you just run down. So, so to me, the the people that would present trajectory hermeneutics try to justify certain perspectives. You know, Paul talks about elders, and it's always in the masculine tense, and. So, so at what point has this started arcing? Obviously, obviously, there is this, this uniqueness within, within, a, within a man. My favorite name for God is El Shaddai. Um, it's a Hebrew word and it's a compound word. It's El Shaddai. And El is, is that masculine name. In the beginning, God, El, created the heavens and the earth. But Shaddai, literally in the Hebrew language, it means to, to, it's the tenderness of a mother's breast. It's the imagery of, of a newborn uh, suckling at the teat. Um, it's the imagery. And God presents himself as, as El Shaddai. God is both the masculine and the feminine, which then I think is very interesting because God created Adam, May, Adam and his image and likeness, and then he divided into the genders two demonstrations of his person, which doesn't make men any more godly than women. But the way, that, the way that God has then determined they operate are designed to demonstrate aspects of his person that are distinct and different. Now, that is not to say that, um, that you know, girly men, you know. But in, in a way, there is, there is a, a projection of God that he wants men to emulate. And what is that? And that's the grand question, right? Yeah. And I think that that is um, a unique strength, boldness. When we look at, you know, God ordained war, it was the men that were sent into the battle. Um, God has given men certain uh, biological features, um, certain chemicals to help. Um, with decisions, um, risk evaluations. again, again, men and women are different, equal, distinct but equal, distinctly different, uniquely the same in the eyes of God, just different. So what does it mean to be a man of God? Um, I think broadly speaking, um, it's t- to be a disciple of Jesus, It's to be a follower of Jesus. It's to be a, a surrenderer to Jesus. If you're a man in a, in a marriage, the Bible has a lot to say about your role. If you're a man in your church, there's a lot the Bible has to say about your role. That's not particularly the question that you asked. Your question was more broad just about being a man. I think men need to work. Um, I think that, that physiologically, emotionally, psychologically, there's value in work um, and, and that there's a value in a man working a man providing whether it be for a family or just himself. Um, I think it's important for men to be active, uh, to be strong, uh, to be decision makers. Um, That doesn't mean um, that this is like some crazy. like if you're not an MMA guy that somehow you're not godly. Um, I personally can't stand MMA, MMA. I, i I don't, I don't get it. Um, I just assume box and get your brain beat in to begin with. Um, you know, a lot of slow punches over a longer period of time. It's just kind of how my head works, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd rather run into a wall 12 times than once. Um, <laughs> right or wrong.
1: What is that analogy, <laughs> man? Yeah. Well, no, I'm just talking about
0: this stubbornness. Like, there are some people that run into a wall, like, they just go, they go all the way out and they just go down in flames. I'm not a go down in flames kind of guy. I'm like a, I'm slowly burning. Um, yeah. not a great analogy. No, not, seem seem better, not better. Not better. Well, you just got a Kool-Aid man. In it. You just got a Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. Man. You gotta go oh right yeah. through it. Oh yeah. So again, I, I'm, I'm trying to hit a very broad topic from a lot of different angles. Um, I don't know how well of a job I'm doing. So at this point, I'm going to kind of throw it to y'all to maybe help with the particular, again, it's such a broad thing. Um, I think a man is a man of conviction, a man of the word.
1: So um, I really, I really enjoyed that, and I'm going to bring it. I think I'm going to be able to 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 hone it down a okay. bit, because um, I really like that. Because I think that um, there are all all men of God are called to be a bunch of different things, right?
0: Let me say one thing. Okay. Let me say one thing real quick. Just within the context, it just came to my mind. Um, With this guy and his his understanding of women Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and its masculine context. um, A man is to be a defender and a protector of women. A man is not an abuser. He doesn't lord his strength over. We see none of that within Jesus, the greatest demonstration of masculinity and manhood. A man loves his wife, loves women, protects women, um, cherishes women, is willing to deny himself pleasure to prefer the honor and integrity of a woman. That idea that uh, that women should remain chaste, but it's somehow masculine that a man spreads his seed, is barbaric, and is cavemanish, and is more supported by evolutionary theory than biblical uh, theology. It is the opposite of what a man is supposed to be from a, from a, a biblical standpoint. Uh, men are supposed to have little sisters that they cherish and they protect, and they're willing to go to the mat and fight for it if it's necessary. I have a whole group, and you guys are right there with me. There's a whole group of young ladies in our church. You mess with them, you mess with us. You know, they have their own actual dads, but they got a whole slew of big brothers that are not opposed to spending a night or two in jail um, if, right. it, if it's necessary. Um, godly arraignment. Um, you know what I mean? and, I, mean, and, and I, think, I think that's important within the context of like there's this pushback against machismo about masculinity because it gets so abused. Um, in, in our culture. And I think it's important for us to speak out and to contrast that you can be strong and be masculine. Um, and, and, and it is in the defense and the care of, of women and children. And the, dis- the men that abuse women, men that abuse children are so skewed from their, their, their ordained. You want to talk about the, the, the appropriate application of the death, the death penalty. I think that there are examples when men stray outside of those ordained parameters, where it's you know what, you're not fit for society. Bury him under the prison. Yeah. So, um, what I did you say like, earlier, Justin? It's the uh, the eight one one, not the nine one one. Yeah. You, you yeah. call. I, I don't call
2: nine one one. I call eight one one. Which is the call before you dig. Call before you dig. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> any any. Uh, Creighton, back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was
1: just gonna say, just so I could, because I think they did a really good job. Because it is, you know, men of God are called to be many things. But I think all of those things are aspects of one certain thing. Or one broad thing, I guess. Because some of us are called to be leaders. Some of us are called to be followers. But we're all called to be men. A great example
0: of that is David. You know, who, who, was, who was the rightful king of Israel? In theory, it was Jonathan. The, son, mm-hmm. the firstborn son of Saul, who was king. Um, and yet God ordained David and and i think jonathan is a great example of of manliness there's a story where they're they're battling the philistines and you know david david had gone out and took on goliath but there's a story where jonathan you know goes and takes on a whole brigade of, of philistines on his own with his armor bearer mm-hmm. you know and and he i mean he was fit to be a king everything about jonathan is that he was a good dude but he recognized that david was the ordained king and so his his calling wasn't to be in authority but to support the guy that God called into authority and and he he came alongside of, of David in some some wonderful ways you know what I mean? Like yeah absolutely it's not so much like hey as a man you do A no as a man you do what Jesus tells you to do and you right. do it with conviction tenacity, determination um, and you're not lazy about it that makes sense? yeah I think it's great what do you guys got? Kyle, did did you hone in at all? Yeah,
3: I did, I did, I did. And it came down to um, when you you were using the descriptors of Jesus, different instances that he was in and everything. Everything came down to, and I don't even know if you meant to do it or noticed it, but everything came down to, you were talking about Jesus would do one thing, but he was wise enough to know when not to. Or, you know, wisdom to act here, not here, meekness, all that kind of stuff. I think wisdom is probably the key the key thing to being a godly man and if that's the case then if you're asking the question well how do i be a godly man seek wisdom and seek godly wisdom
0: so let's define wisdom what what does wisdom
3: mean knowledge applied
0: knowledge applied which i think is very encouraging because it, it it's not dependent upon knowing a lot of things
3: yeah, well, it's also cool that the definition of no, or knowledge is uh, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Right. So the understanding of your place within the world and that you're created with purpose and you have a role to play, understanding that at the beginning, acknowledging a creator and your your purpose is what gives you knowledge, no. which then allows you to apply wisdom and be a exactly. godly man. Amen. Yep. Honed it in.
0: <laughs> Anything else? What do you guys got? I like the
2: uh, Sermon on the Mount. We were going through that. The the one verse that you know you always kind of struggle is the meek shall inherit the earth. And a lot of times in English we're like, oh, meek means you know weak and stuff like yeah. that. But it's 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 a uh, you have the power to do something and you choose not to to use that power to to.
1: It's a restraint, it's not a, a restraint of
2: your ultimate, like, it's not your an power. inability, right? It's not an inability. It's, it's, strength, the, under it's strength under control. Strength yeah, under control. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that kind of, in my mind, that that puts what a man should be. A man should be meek, and you should have that power, and but you need to have it under control. And where you see, I don't want non manliness is is these guys that go machismo and. They don't have their their power under control, and so absolutely like, it's men be, that roid up, right, know? right. <laughs> and so it, it's it's, it, and I think that's where the the divide comes between secular manliness and godly man, manliness is that meekness, and you get meekness in all things, whether that be strength of body or strength of mind, uh, both of which you should be working.
0: All right, oh, I'm going to attempt another absolutely. another illustration here. We know this, how well your last this one, is my one went. So. Take two. I think in a lot of ways, men are stallions. Okay, so they're stallion, and they're, they're created a certain way, and they exist in a certain way. But a stallion, and, and in our world, it's like you're a wild stallion. You know, you 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 do what you want. You're you're, you know, you're you're, 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 you're you. You roam you're a stallion, you're strong, etc., etc. But a stallion is only, is only useful if it can be ridden. It, it doesn't make the stallion any less a stallion, but, it, but once it's broken and it submits, then all of that strength and power and resolve, it gets, it gets directed again under the will and the intention of the rider and that's kind of the illustration of, of men under the control of God. It's not that you're any less a stallion. It's that, it's that Jesus has the reins. And you're operating and you're living under the, the daily submission of thy will be done, not mine. And, and, and as a man, I reflect certain things about God intrinsically. Lord, help me do that. Show me how to do that. Lead yeah. me to do that. And whatever application that is, whether it be at work Or in the home or with children or at church within the family as a son or an older sibling to be a man to be under the submission of God and and if you look at if you look at all of the different personalities in Scripture from men like Gideon to Jeremiah the weeping prophet you know to Daniel and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego to Joseph you look at all of the different characters of Scripture Peter you know Peter was a wild stallion and he was capable of some really stupid things until he has this moment where he has to what? He has to finally surrender to God. And I think that that's the if you're looking for a commonality within the men of Scripture, the positive ones versus the negative ones, it's those that, um, that finally submit to the will of God. A great example is this is Joseph, uh, not Joseph, but Jacob, who's liter- His name's literally hillcatcher, you know? Or Saul of Tarsus, you know, when he encounters Jesus, what does Jesus says? Are you tired of kicking against the goes? You know, you're a stallion fighting against, you know, my control and my will. Um, so I guess, in a very, very broad sense, if we want to define biblical masculinity, it's everything that it means to be a man, under the submission of everything that it means to be God, and and His will and His His authority and. Derek you're you're a newlywed um how has being married um challenged just you as a man stretched you it's given me a lot of opportunities to be patient
4: and a lot of opportunities to where I just constantly question myself like all right lord am I right here am I not right here like just literally it's just patience it's just all patience I and mean, it may be the way that I approach everything in the first place but I'm like always seeking wisdom no matter what it is like I just want to be the best that I can so I seek him first through everything that it may be so I don't know it's our uh, it's been great that doesn't mean that there's not like challenges but when the challenges come up you just handle each one as you handle each one and just keep moving
0: what about you Nick you've been married for a few years now but you st- you don't have kids? Four years now. I Four years. You looked at your watch like you have a clock. I do. <laughs> it's a timer set up. It's a timer. <laughs> Four years. <laughs> Just a reminder. But what I mean, has marriage taught
5: me? I mean, it's taught what me, me a lot about of being things. About, a, about, about being a man. man. I mean, it goes with the meekness. It goes with the wisdom. It, I mean, it's everything. It, everything you got to grow stronger with with yourself. You, you find your strengths in it, and you expound on those, and then you find your weaknesses, then... You find where your wife can make you better in those in those weaknesses, too. I yeah mean, that's what a marriage is, but um like you were saying before about being broken, a wild stallion, you feel like a stallion when you're a single man, but when you get a wife, you kind of feel like she's breaking you down, and but she's what it is is the same thing with Jesus is both of them are breaking you down to put your power in something that needs to be used and um, a, what's the word I'm trying to get Like at. in the right direction. In the right direction, yeah. Like, Jesus, you're a wild stallion, so you go to Jesus, you get broken down. Well, Jesus is going to use your strengths to make... To pull the carriage. To pull the carriage, <laughs> yeah. See, I think, what's,
0: what's, again, uh, yeah, I've known both of your wives for most of their lives, and, and you both have very uh, strong women, and they get it <laughs> from their mother. Um, <laughs> strong will strong direction. I mean, God has, has given them a, a unique and very special tenacity. Um, but I also know that they they married men they want to lead, they, they that they want to have lead. And so to see both of you, um, you know, it's easy to be passive, um, but you guys have found unique ways to step up and lead. Um, and, I, and I think that's just a cool manifestation of, again, masculinity. And, you know, your, your wives, like what you're saying, I know your wife, Nick, has pushed you in a lot of ways to be more of a man, to be more manly, to get out there and do certain things and to aspire to certain things. Mm And and uh, and that's where I think when you look at the the uniqueness of men and women and those those natural roles and how they all apply within that nucleus of marriage and then also the church. I think it's a special thing. I think it's a heavenly thing. So, Justin, you got anything? Nope. Creighton, where did we land? We all right. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought
1: it was very good. Um,
0: I thought, nailed
1: it once again. We nailed it. Um, Another episode.
0: We got any comments online? Yes, we
1: do. We have one. um, uh, Someone named Kelly said, "Watch it." Uh, was that,
4: that very was... recent? At yes, it was. Time? It was very recent. <laughs> oh. uh,
0: no, I'm
4: good. No, she builds me up all the time. She's been
0: watching to what I'm saying, probably. Oh, uh, probably. Uh, probably. I was going to um, say, I'm fine. She's great. <laughs>
1: we also have uh, Miss Anne said that you're looking very good. Oh, uh, Miss so, Anne. So, you know, take a, give a shout out to Miss Ann. I,
0: I will. Miss Ann of, of, of all the people, a few months before I ended up with my COVID uh, storm, uh, Anne had had a very similar uh, experience and um, so of all the people out there, it's funny i, I when I bump into Ann, it's always like your trake scar's looking good and her <laughs> husband has started to call us tr- Trachees oh, um, oh instead of <laughs> Um but uh, you know, uh, very special lady um, who has healed before me and uh, and Anne, thank you for your encouragement. My hair has come back, which is which is. Wonderful. So now if only my arms would, would, would fully heal. So guys, thank you so much for being on the show. One tonight.
1: more comment. Hold on now. Oh, we Let got another one. Fix, all right, man. wait, wait, wait. All right. Uh we also have Heather who while well, you were talking about the um trajectory of hermeneutics. Okay. She made the comment that, um this is a and I quote, I've been taught and believed that God is all knowing and he knew what the culture would be in twenty twenty two. There's no culture is different. His word still stands. I think which that's which I excellent. agree with.
0: It's, it's the, the abiding truth. It's the absolute truth. Um, there are things that, that can be applied in different ways based upon, you know, how culture changes and is different. Uh, but at the same time, no, she's absolutely right. Which is important to, and, and I would say this, and this is kind of a deviated thought, but when you're listening to a Bible teacher, it's always important to take a little time to understand their, their upbringing, their background, their, their theology, their hermeneutics. So that you can understand uh, how to interpret some of the things that they're saying. Um, again, you, you listen to a guy that you know isn't a literalist, and that you start taking some of the application. It's like, wait a second, something seems off, but I don't know why. Um, you got to understand how someone approaches the Bible to then know how they teach the Bible and apply the Bible. So, mm-hmm. any other comments? Are we good? That's it. All right, guys, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Woo. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Again, we live stream Wednesday nights at 8 p.m., but every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted in its entirety. We podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, really anywhere you find uh, your podcasts. Um, Once again, my name is Zach Adams. I hope you take the time to join me and the guys uh, this time next week. God bless.